0: that he does a work in our hearts that he reveals the what the church is really intended to be through through his word because God's word is the authority on this we don't we don't just make this stuff up that we we turn to God's word the bible to see what is real and what is true and then we're right now flying through the book of acts Really been exciting so far. We've um, made it to the end of the second chapter. And we're going to be uh, there this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and and turn there and be ready. I'm going to be reading there in, in just a little bit, verse 42. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, slip your hand up and we have a Bible for you that is our gift to you. You can take home. Um, the church didn't originate in the minds. Of people. The church was God's idea. This isn't something that that people came up with. And by the way, this isn't church. This isn't church. Uh, This is the gathering of the church. The church is a people. The church is a people of God. So we call this a gathering. We do that very intentionally. Because... We don't want to think of the church as a building or as an event. Something that we do once a week. If that's true, then then it it doesn't give us a whole lot of purpose for the rest of the week. The the truth is that the church is a people. And so the Bible tells us to, to gather and and. That's what we do. We do that regularly for encouragement, to study God's word, to learn more about him and to worship him. So the church is a people, and this is just the gathering of the church. Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you see, Jesus builds his church, not us. We can have all kinds of plans, but ultimately, it's Jesus who builds the church. And I think I absolutely love this verse in in Matthew 16, the fact that he says, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, the church that Jesus builds is actually a force to be reckoned with. Did you catch what he says here? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. A gate. What is the purpose of a gate? A gate keeps things out or or in. We oftentimes picture the church with these giant walls around it and a drawbridge pulled up. And it's like... Oh, Lord, just don't let our enemy through the gates. No. The church. The church is moving forward. The church is a force to be reckoned with. The church that Jesus builds. The gates of hell will not stand up against the church. The church goes and rescues People by proclaiming the good news of Jesus. The gates of hell, the hell's gates cannot stop the church. That's the church. I hope that this morning we can rethink the church. It is not a building, the church is not an event that you go to, it's not a country club. The church is a people, it's the people of God. And Jesus purchased the church with the price of his own blood. So this morning we're going to get a a picture of what the very first church looked like. And it's going to teach us a lot about what we can look like and should look like. So, the church that originated in the mind of God is a family. It's a family. It's the family of God. We are His kids. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are adopted by the Father, by God, into His family. So, what we're going to see is with this very first church... That they were a family, a close knit family that was so passionate about God, so passionate about God, that the kingdom of God infiltrated every single little sliver of their life. There wasn't a single thing off limits. And my guess is that most of us, we have little slivers that we keep to ourselves. That are off limits to God. We don't let God into every corner. And I want us to see a different type of community this morning. The kind of community that we can experience when the kingdom of God infiltrates every area of our lives. So, before we start reading in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, let's remember what the context of this passage is. What has led up to the passage that we're in. First, we had these believers in Jesus, these followers of Jesus, who were desperately praying together, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Desperately praying, waiting, because Jesus had said... Wait, don't go out until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Until you are baptized with fire. And you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And so they did that. They desperately waited, praying together. And it says that the house that they were in was filled with wind and Fire came down from heaven and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were filled with this boldness. This incredible boldness to go out and to preach. And they go outside. They're speaking in other tongues. And all these people are hearing them in their own languages. In all these different languages, they're hearing them tell of the mighty works of God. And it draws this huge crowd. Peter finally does something right. The Holy Spirit changes Peter into this guy who finally does something right. He preaches this incredible sermon. This phenomenal sermon. All about Jesus. He shares the good news about Jesus with this crowd. And it says... At the end, that they, that after they hear this good news, they're like, I mean, they're cut to the heart. And they go, well, tell us what to do with what you just said. What do we do with that? And Peter says, I'll tell you what to do. Repent. Turn from your sin. Turn from doing life your way. Turn and follow God. Repent. And be baptized. Put your faith in Jesus and make that public. Be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same thing that's empowered us. The same thing that's given me the ability to preach this sermon to you. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. And it says 3,000 of them believed. And we're added to their number. 3,000 people in one day. And then it goes straight into what we're going to read this morning. So that's the context. The Holy Spirit's come. He has empowered the church. And 3,000 people enter into the kingdom of God. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then here's what it looks like for them just to be the church. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Follow along with me. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all, all, I looked this word up, It's just fear, a fear of God, a healthy fear of God. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple. The temple was where they would they had the scriptures. They had the Old Testament scriptures. So they would read the scriptures in the temple and pray. And so they would day by day attend the temple together. And breaking bread in their homes... They received their food with glad, glad, happy, joyful, and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, remembering the context of this, What's happened before this? We know that this church was empowered by or filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God among them, made this type of community possible. If you have uh, one of the bulletins and you want to take notes, I did these fill in the blanks. The first fill-in-the-blank is that the first church was Spirit-filled. All this radical stuff that we see, the stuff that was so abnormal, it was because they were filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit had made this all possible. It wasn't produced by... Human effort. It wasn't because they gritted their teeth. It was because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's no mistake that Peter says to them, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you see this type of community happening that's so countercultural, that's so Strange, It's not normal because the Holy Spirit had empowered them. So the first point is that they were Spirit-filled. You might feel like, you know, I wouldn't mind having more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I wouldn't mind that. I, you know, the Bible says in James 4 8 that if if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. That's a promise. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to coax him. He puts the ball in our court. If you've been covered, if you've been washed. In the blood of Jesus, you have full access. Full access to the Father. So he just says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. It's in our court. The ball's in our court. When when you seek him diligently, you'll find him. If you are hungry for more of God, He will satisfy that hunger. Go to Him in prayer. Spend time in His Word. Sit at Jesus' feet. Spend time with Him. If you will draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. The second thing that this church, this first church was, is that The first church was gospel focused. That's the second blank. Notice that it says one of the things, one of the few things that are listed that they devoted themselves to, was the breaking of bread. Now, I think that that's talking about what we call communion, the Lord's supper. And and unfortunately, communion has become this really this really traditional, like ritualistic thing, and and sometimes that causes us to lose sight of the real meaning, the real purpose behind it. What Jesus was doing when he told them, do this, break this bread that represents my body broken for you. Drink this wine that represents my blood spilled for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He he does that because he, he knows that we need consistent reminders of the gospel. We need these consistent reminders. And the early church, the first church, got that. They devoted themselves to consistent reminders of what Jesus had accomplished for them. Because if we forget... And we are forgetful people. It only takes a day. It only takes an hour. I can be really focused on Jesus, and 30 minutes later, I can be like screaming at my kids. It doesn't take long. We need consistent reminders of what Jesus accomplished for us. And so they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. This, I think, was absolutely key for them. See, when we forget the gospel, we forget our identity. The gospel gives us a new identity. We are hidden in Christ. We are cleansed. We are forgiven. We are adopted sons and daughters of the king. We have a new citizenship. This earth is not our home we are loved. We forget those things when we forget the gospel. The gospel gives us a new identity. And when you, have, when you have received a new identity and you live out of that identity, it changes everything. It changes everything when you have a new identity. And this is one reason I think that it says that they had all things in common. How can they have all things in common? We're so different. But we all have the same identity. We all have the same Father. Jesus has given us all freedom. Freedom from the tyranny of sin. Freedom from bondage to lies. And so they have this gospel focus. And and out of that gospel focus... This, this community, this togetherness, this closeness is formed. And that brings me to this next point. The first church was a family. You look at how they interacted with each other. And it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. I'm gonna, I want to harp on this for just a minute. This is a big deal. There are a lot of people in this room. And we're family. If you call Valley Town your church, then you're part of this family. And there are a lot of people I know in this room because you told me and you're, that you're lonely. And listen... You have a big family. You have a really big family in here. When you're adopted. By God. You get adopted into the most incredible family. In the universe. And we're brothers and sisters. We're all on level ground. And there's no need to fight and quarrel and bicker and there's none of that anymore and I'm going to disappoint you sometimes you know Just I just am because I'm messed up you know so thank you yeah everybody's going to disappoint everybody sometimes right but, you know, that's where grace comes in. That's, that's why it's a really good thing that we all have been forgiven. We've all received this incredible grace that we didn't deserve. We received that freely from God. So how about we extend that to each other? How about we just extend that grace to each other? And We go, you know, I didn't expect you to be perfect, so... It's okay. I hope you don't expect me to be perfect. That's what families do. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Well, if we love each other, well then when somebody does something you don't like, you just let it go. I've been, this isn't a scolding because I, I think our family, our church family is really close. But I know things are going to happen. I know it's going to happen. So I'm just saying to kind of head it off at the pass. When it happens, extend grace to each other. And here's the other thing. It, it says that they were together day by day. It says that they were in each other's homes Now, look around the room for just a second. Look around the room, seriously. Good bit of people in here. Now I just want to ask, how many, and this doesn't, your family members that are here do not count, (laughs) how many of the people in this room have you ever invited into your home? Some of you are like, I don't invite anybody into my home and I'm not about to. (laughs) Right? You go, I'm a private person. I I don't do that. Well, you know what? When we see something in God's word that our lives are not matching up with, we don't just make an excuse. You know, the Bible says, don't lie. And if you're a liar, then you don't go, well, that's going to get really inconvenient if I have to start telling the truth all the time. (laughs) Right? Telling the truth is pretty inconvenient sometimes. But you do it anyway because you want to bring your life in line with the kingdom of God. Because you actually believe that Jesus knows better than you do. Well, the example that we're given is to have people into our homes. It's commanded in the book of Romans. Seek to show hospitality. Romans 12, 13. Seek to show. In other words, actually look for opportunities to welcome people into your home. Why? Because when you do that, when you do that, friendships are formed. And I'm not... Listen, here's the thing. Don't worry about getting your house all perfect. Some of you are already making a list in your head. Well, this is all the stuff I'll have to do if I'm going to have people over. Don't worry about it. Just have them over right in the middle of the mess. Because you know what's going to happen is they're going to walk in and go, Oh, good. They're just like me. They're just like me. Right? But we, what do we do? We're like, all of a sudden, we're cleaning stuff because somebody's coming over. Oh my gosh, they're going to know that our toilet gets dirty. They're going to know that our sink fills up with dishes. So what? Just have people over. Especially if they're your family. If we're family... I'm, I'm serious about this. Like, I'm not just saying this because it's an interesting topic. I really want us hanging out at each other's houses. I'm not asking you guys to all invite me over. I don't have time to even do that. I'm asking, invite. There's a lot of us in this room. Go talk to somebody. Here, let me just help you out. Here's the steps. Go talk to someone. Get, the, get their number Their phone number, because you're going to need to get in touch with them. I want you to actually plan this today while it's fresh. Before you go home and like next week you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Do it today. Get somebody's number, make a plan, call them, and have them over for dinner. Have them over for lunch on a Saturday. Have them over to watch the Red Sox. Grill out. I don't know, but invite them over somehow. Figure out a way. Because that is a crucial component to family. You have your family over, don't you? Or they live with you one. Right? And if you don't, you, may, then you, you should. Man, if you don't have your family over, we just need to have a counseling session after this. But really, if we're a family, then invite your family over. Spend time together. You know, if, and listen, here's the other thing that stops us sometimes. is You might be going, man, I sure do wish Valley Town would plan more stuff. Well, we're really intentional about not planning that much stuff. We do that on purpose. We don't want to fill up everyone's schedules with a bunch of stuff. That just leads to burnout. It's not, that's not organic. We want this to be natural. So we don't fill up the calendar with events all the time. We do that on purpose. So that we can free up. And then when you, when you start to get used to having your family over, then you know what you can also do? You can invite your neighbor over. Or that lady that you work with. Or that guy that fixed your car. Or have someone else over. Start to invest in them. Start to build a relationship. This is not rocket science, but I know for a fact this is not happening very often. I know it for a fact, so I'm harping on it. This is a big deal because this will absolutely change the whole culture of this church. And Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's how the world knows that you are a disciple of Jesus is by the way that you love. Each other. And that's really hard to do when we're not together together and that and just just an hour and a half on sunday isn't enough to accomplish this so so do this it's really not going to hurt all right i think i've harped on that enough My next point is that the first church was radically generous. It says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And it says they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We talk a lot about generosity because... If you aren't generous, you'll never be able to impact anyone. Ever. If you aren't generous, you'll never be able to impact anyone. And I'm not, generosity extends way beyond just your finances. I'm talking about your time, talents that God's given you, ways that you can bless people. If you're not generous, you're never going to impact anybody. If you're not willing to give a little bit of yourself... And so it's really important that we're generous people. And that isn't, that's, again, it's not something that can just, we can just grit our teeth and make this happen. This is, this is a change that naturally takes place as we constantly remember the gospel, as we immerse ourselves in the truth of the gospel that God loved us so much that He gave His only Son. He loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave. See, love, love results in giving. Generosity is a response to love. And so this first church, they, this was natural what was happening. This, this was an outflow of the change that the gospel had produced in their hearts. And, and they didn't want anyone suffering, anyone struggling. And so they, they sold stuff. They sold property. They sold extra stuff they, so that they could help those who didn't have enough. This is, I mean, this is radical generosity. And you know what happens when there's this kind of radical generosity? The world looks on and goes, what in the world? What's up with those people? And that's powerful. If the world knows us by our love for one another, and they see us giving, 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 there won't be any question in their mind whether or not we love each other. They were radically generous. When you allow the truth of the gospel, when you allow the kingdom of heaven to Infiltrate to come in to every area of your life that includes your checkbook, it just does that. Might be the sliver that you have really put off limits. Like, preacher, don't talk about money, and I'm not going to let God touch my money. Well, then, guess who your God is? Money, money. So we talk about we talk about it here because money's a false god and we don't tiptoe around false gods we knock them over. So if if you put your trust in your money you you can't trust God. You cannot serve both God and money. The next point is that the first church was devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. See, they didn't need anyone to convince them to pray because they had seen the power of prayer. They were convinced that God moved when they prayed. And when you know that God moves, you, you will leverage its power You will pray. And when your mind is focused on God, when you are are looking to Jesus all day long, you will find yourself talking to him. You know, Jesus, he spent so much time. He had a lot of things to do. He was a pretty important guy. And, And yet, he got away to pray all the time. He made time. He made time. He canceled stuff. He got a way to pray. It was the most important thing to him. Spending time talking to his father. So the early church, the first church, knew this about Jesus. They had seen his example. and And they knew the power of prayer. And so they didn't need anyone to convince them to do it. My sixth point is that the first church was a disciple-making movement. In the beginning of that passage, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's like we have the New Testament now. We have the apostles' teaching here. We have the Bible. And it says that the whole thing is profitable to us. This entire book is profitable to us. And so... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. We need to devote ourselves to the Word of God. And they learned. A disciple is a learner. They learned. They learned. They knew that they, were, they, knew that they had been filled with all, all kinds of wrong thinking. So have we. Our world, our culture, the movies... The news, the TV, the magazines, it's all telling us lies. And so we need to see what lies we believed. And we find out by the word of God. They devoted themselves to that. That was passed on life to life, life to life. It said day by day they attended the temple. So they went to pray. They went to hear the scriptures daily. This was a constant thing. And at the end of this passage, it says that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Does that get you excited to think about that that could be us? Not because we want to be some big thing. I want to see God glorified here in this valley in southern Vermont. I want to see that extend to the whole state. I don't want to see it go to all of New England. And I believe that that is going to happen. I believe it has started. It has started. The Lord is adding to our number. But you know what? It's not yet to the point where he's adding to our number day by day. I think that can happen. I think that can happen. Something like 20 people have made some kind of profession that they put their faith in Jesus in the last few months here. That's phenomenal. God is doing a work, but there's more. There's more. I, I say that because I don't want us to get content. Like, well, most of the seats are full. You know what? We're going to we're go to a bigger building. We can't stay here anyway. They're kicking us out in a couple months. I don't know when, but. So don't look around and be like, you know, most of the seats are full, so I don't really need to invite my neighbor or whatever. No, don't get content. God has more. He has bigger Bigger things, because he's just starting. I think that if we, if we allow the kingdom of God as individuals first, first as individuals, if we allow the kingdom of God to come in and touch every single area of our lives, every sliver, our time, Our income, our relationships, how we spend our weekends. If we allow the kingdom of God to come in and infiltrate, and we allow our lives to come in the line with the kingdom, then this is, I think, what we're going to see. Listen to those kids. Is that awesome? That just makes me want to praise God. There are so many kids in there. They're hearing about Jesus. They're hearing about Jesus. Their futures are going to be changed. Man, that fires me up. This first church was a spirit filled family that was gospel focused. Radically generous. Devoted to prayer. And they became a part of a disciple making movement. Let this be vision for us. This can be us. Let this be vision for us. I'm not telling you to go get busier. Don't hear me wrong. Don't, I'm not saying go get busier. Don't confuse this with busyness. I'm saying what you already do. Let God speak into that. Put it all out on the table. Where you you work, put it on the table. How do you want me to start thinking about my relationships at work, Lord? I don't want us to get busier. I want us to get productive. Just kingdom productivity. Allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and have his say. In, in every single part of our lives. Alright. I'm, I'm, I want to just imagine this, okay? And then, and then I'm going to be done. Imagine if in, in a year, a couple years from now, they say this about us. And Valleytown Church devoted themselves to the Word of God and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the believers at Valley Town. And all of the followers of Jesus at Valley Town were together, which would require us having people over to our houses. Okay. They were together and had all things in common. And the people of Valleytown Church were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, studying the Bible and praying, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people of their community, that would be amazing. And the Lord added to Valleytown Church, day by day, those who are being saved. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do we believe that that's possible? So do I. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you don't just show us instructions and then leave us powerless to follow them. You give us your word And then you give us your spirit, Lord. You empower us to be able to make the changes that are necessary to bring our lives in line with the kingdom of God. We ask, God, we ask that you would be glorified in this community. We ask that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done in this valley. As it is in heaven. In this church. As it is in heaven. In our homes. As it is in heaven. In our hearts. Lord. As it is in heaven. We ask that your spirit would come. We wouldn't hold back anything from you. Not a sliver. Not, a, not any part of our lives. Would be off limits to you God. And I ask that you would begin to add to our number daily. Those who are being saved. For your glory. God. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church that you built. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together as we sing a few more songs. Amen.